Okay, I'm just finishing up ordering my Tesla Cybertruck and mm -hmm. order and okay, welcome everyone. Hey Mark, how you doing? Doing great. Welcome to the show. We're going to talk NBA. Mark, I know you attended an NBA game in person maybe two weeks ago. I wanted to get your take on the in-game experience and then what you saw. What did you like? What did you not like? Saw the San Antonio Spurs versus the Portland Trailblazers. I sat in the 100 row, so I was mm. basically like, I don't know, plaza level, I guess. Took two of my close friends here. Great seats from the corner. I saw San Antonio get boat raced in the first half. They were up at Portland, was up by 25 points at one point. I was like, uh-oh, I'll be leaving here early. And <laughs> yeah, so it was a, overall it was a good experience. The Spurs battled back, but uh, ultimately, I mean, it's obvious that if they're even having a, a medium shooting night, they don't have the economy to keep up with these teams that are just draining three. So yeah, CJ McCollum, Daniel Lillard, or Damian Lillard, just draining threes at will. And then just, you just can't, you can't come back with twos and twos and twos and twos and 19 footers and 19 footers. And that's all the Marcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan wanted to shoot. You know, if you look at their roster, they only have two guys that are shooting 40% over three. And that's uh, one of them's Patty Mills and he had an off night. So they battled back, lost it in the fourth quarter. And ultimately, I don't think they're constructed to win in the modern NBA. So, but it was a, it was a good time nonetheless. I'm worried about the Spurs. The Spurs currently five and 10, almost near the bottom of the West. So as a Spurs fan, would you trade DeMar DeRozan if someone, if you got a reasonable offer, say you got a first round draft pick? and maybe some spare parts. Are, are you that far gone on the Spurs? Are they beyond hope, or are you not ready to break it up just yet? I, I don't really see what the Spurs' strategy is at this point, because mm. they don't have really... I mean, they're obviously planning on building around DeJounta Murray, and they're still kind of working him back into the lineup. They're relying heavily on Derek White and Patty Mills, who are both backup point guards. Yeah. So, I mean, what exactly is their strategy? Are they trying to get into the eighth seed and cross their fingers and hope for the best? Because they're going to get their, their doors blown off if they face any of the top seeds. Yeah. I don't know who a possible trade partner. I heard that rumor. I saw that that rumor on Twitter somewhere that uh, Spurs would trade DeRozan with the right partner. Interesting. What about the what about the in-game experience? For example, do the Spurs play music while the game is is happening? Yeah, and I'm kind of against that. I understand that oh. like the modern attention span necessitates it, but it's annoying for me, and I'm I'm not sure I would like playing with it as well. It's extremely distracting to me on TV. I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm against it. But I guess I guess for some people, they, they take their kid and it's kind of like taking them to a show or a movie or taking them to the circus. Like there has to be constant entertainment <laughs> at all times. But uh, I'm against it. I guess we're in the minority because a lot of the NBA arenas have the in-game music. I'm going to the Clippers game in January. I'm going to Grizzlies at Clippers. And I'm excited to see my man, Ja Morant. Have you seen Ja Morant? Any takes on Ja Morant? I have seen Ja Morant. Morant. He looks like uh, Mr. Fantastic. He's stretching all over the place, flying all over the place, max effort, just like putting his body in the line. What do you think? Did you see John Morant hit the game winner in Charlotte? It was about a week ago. He's incredible. And then yeah. he had a, the same week, he had a big game and they beat Utah. The Grizzlies are like five and eight and five and nine. So, you know, I don't see them as a playoff team, but, I, but they're exciting to watch. And if if you're a Grizzlies fan, you got to be excited that look at this young team with Jaron Jackson Jr., John ja Morant, Dylan Brooks can shoot. The infrastructure is, is there. They're laying the foundation right now. I'm excited. I'm excited to see the Grizz. I hope that he has the right people around him to tell him to slow it down a little bit and not sacrifice his body so much. And also, Ooh. he's uh, eating the protein bars and uh, in the weight room building some muscle mass because uh, he needs a, a little bit more bulk to be NBA ready. But obviously, the... Uh, the skill is there and uh, the, the drive is there. So it's, it's really exciting to watch. Yeah. I think he's like 19 years old too. I mean, he's, he's just a kid. 
Right, who, who was the last uh, Grizzlies player you were excited about? I can't name one. Chandler Parsons? <laughs> uh, I can name one. It would not be Chandler Parsons. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I liked what they did with when they had Zach Randolph, uh, Marcus Gasol, and Mike Conley. Those were some fun teams. I think they made it to the Western Conference Finals, that, that Grizzlies group. But uh, good to see them rebuild, and I'm excited to see them in Staples Center. Speaking of Staples, Clippers, Celtics the other night went into overtime. Clips pulled it out. Terrific game. A lot of talent on display. Mark, what were your takeaways from the Clippers' overtime victory against the Celtics? I think I texted you the next morning and said that was uh, the Clippers have finally arrived. The offense needed some work, but overall it was an entertaining entertaining game to watch. But it it definitely showed that the Celtics are in dire need of a big man because Enos Cantor and the other guy they're, they're relying upon, although they're serviceable, they're not as dominant as they need them to be. You know, they could definitely make an impact. And kind of interesting to think about what could have been if they had uh, Anthony Davis. Yeah, they're, they're definitely missing. They basically play without a center, and it was noticeable. Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi playing in the same game. And, yeah, I agree with you. Offense was a little clunky. It's just going to take some time to gel. But defensively, man, Clippers, pretty scary. And just ask Kemba Walker. I thought they completely shut down Kemba in that game, including blocking the final shot of the game from Kemba. I think Kemba was like two for 11 from the floor at one point. And as a shooter, I know when you're in that two for 11, man, you are frustrated and you're angry and you're just not having a good game. And that's what I think the Clippers with uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Pat Beverly, they can really lock people up. I I like their chances in a big game, a playoff game, just because defensively they can probably lock up your best guy. Now we can talk about who's going to guard Anthony Davis, who's going to guard LeBron. With those weapons defensively, I think the Clippers, the offense will come. I think the Clippers will be elite because of their defense. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. It's kind of amazing to me that Paul George can just walk on the NBA floor and, and drop 30 on his first night and then continue to produce like that. Gives them some, some flexibility given their load management strategy. So uh, the, one of the most surprising things to me is like I think everybody knew that they were going to be defensively um, excellent but how fluid they are on offense and how seamless they transition between their bench and their starters. Because, you know, from the games I'm watching, it's very apparent, especially like, say, for example, the Spurs or Portland Trailblazers, who have a not very good bench for how many injuries they have. It yeah. is readily apparent how bad the team is when they don't have their stars on the floor. And you don't see that with the Clippers too much. Yeah. And the Clippers bench with Lou Williams and Montrez, they have the, the Lou Williams, Montrez pick and roll. You know, that's, that's their go-to. That's their bread and butter. They actually ran it a couple times with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Go stand in the corner because we're going to run a Lou Williams Montrez pick and roll at the top of the key. It sounds crazy, but it was work. It worked, and you know that's going to be a weapon in their arsenal. You mentioned load management. I love it. What's your take on load management? Why do Anthony Davis, Kawhi, and Joel Embiid need load management, but LeBron doesn't? LeBron's one of the older guys in the league at this point. For load management, I think it's a classic case of um, a, a organization failing to adapt what the players and their resources need, and that is a fewer games per year. The game is faster. It's more intense. There may not be a physical contact, but it's more physically demanding. It seems like you're looking at elite athletes that need enough time to recover. I can't imagine playing three games in a row and being expected to perform at an elite level on a week in, week out basis. It's just, it's not tenable. And I think the results prove that over the past, you know, 10 years or so. And so now these teams starting with the Spurs, maybe what, five or six years ago, there's like, hey, we're not going to sacrifice our best players. And ultimately team's worth is validated by how many championships they have, not have the regular season record. Like who remembers that the Warriors won 73 games a couple of years ago? Men be enthusiasts, but who remembers how many championships they won? That's what's really important. So playing to the end result, really. What do you think? James Harden doesn't do any load management. Russ, Russ played 81 games 
couple years ago and then 80 the next year. So I don't get it. Kawhi wants to feel fresh in April and May. And so he doesn't care about shutting it down every once in a while in October and November. That makes sense. But I, I give some kind of extra credit to LeBron, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, these guys that are like, no, I don't, I'm not sitting out. I'm playing. There's a game tonight. I'm playing. Tip of the cap to especially LeBron, who's going to be 35 next month. He's in year 17. Did you see that clip of him? Uh, I think he was against, I can't remember. I think it was maybe against Memphis, but he's yelling at the ref and he said, hey, yeah. I know you see me. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, LeBron leading the league in assists, by the way. Incredible. Wow. This yeah. guy. I mean, how he has morphed his game and modified his game and added to his game. I mean, there's really no holes in his game. They were like, hey, you know, Rondo's hurt for the first couple of weeks how about you just play point guard and lebron's like yeah no problem yeah and meanwhile dwight howard is uh and uh, javel mcgee are contributing on a nightly basis it's like who are these guys and how long can this last yeah the lakers look good i mean i'm not gonna lie but i don't think this is the the team that is going to be going into the playoffs i think they'll make some moves lebron always does the, the team that lebron starts the season with is not the same guys around at the end of the playoffs but uh, i mean the lakers are good they gotta keep anthony davis healthy obviously he's he's like always probable he's always got a shoulder or something and, that, and going back to your question about load management i think that um what i've heard of from a different a couple different podcasts and people that watch regularly is that they think that Kawhi is dealing with an injury still that he's just playing through and got really good at it, yep. it kind of reminds me of how slow i thought he was in the playoffs last year but still very effective yeah totally agree okay what else any other teams you want to talk about how about the maps What's your Luca? How many MVPs is Luca gonna win? Luca's incredible, by the way. I didn't know that he was this good. Like I knew that he pl- he's been playing since he was like 13 professionally or whatever it was. He was born on the basketball court and with a basketball in his hand. But night in, night out, it's just incredible. And and one of the most telling things that I've heard recently is that, and you may have even told me this, is that uh, guys that play with them always have to have their hands up ready for the ball because when they never know it's gonna come to them. Just that's how dynamic of a player is. That's how good his court vision is. Just some of the stuff from my very little experience playing basketball comparatively. Some of the stuff that he's doing is just incredible. And I, I'm really looking forward, actually, as a Mavs fan to next year when I think, to your point a couple pods ago, the Porzingis will be full health and be able to contribute on a nightly basis like he needs to and not disappear like he did at the Knicks. Yeah, they need Porzingis. Uh, Dallas is look great, except when they play the Knicks. They're over yeah. against the Knicks. If they could have won both of those, they're looking at, you know, 10 and 5. Avs fan, first of all, just to get 20 years of Dirk, and then right on the heels of that, you get Luka into your life. The other Luka take I had was imagine that the Suns and the Kings both took someone else. The Suns took DeAndre Ayton and Sacramento uh, passed on Luca, and the Hawks. The Hawks also traded away the chance to get to Luca, and now they got Trey Young, who's an excellent player. But Luca is like getting comparisons to like Larry Bird, kids, youngsters. This is what it was like to watch Larry Bird. I don't know. That, that seems like a stretch, but Luca's only like twenty. I mean, to be doing he he's already he's putting up these records like you know youngest player to have six triple doubles this early youngest the only Mav to have a forty point triple double I think and he's he's only twenty he, he's really fun to watch to your point he's kind of one or two moves ahead of everyone like he's throwing it to spots in the corner because he knows someone's going to be over there when I get there and also just when he gets downhill the defense looks confused like I, uh, what do I do is he going to shoot you know they, they don't commit because he's just so fluid and so far ahead of everyone else so exciting to have Luca on your on your team and in the league yeah definitely and, the, and the, usually what happens is you have a couple tools player that is undersized or can't shoot or like Ben Simmons or 
you know, something like that. There's always a flaw. And so far, I can't, I mean, not to say he's flawless, but he doesn't have any major weaknesses and he's only getting better as he plays. I need your take on true or false. The, the top five teams in the East and the top five teams in the West are pretty even. The East is a lot stronger than anybody anticipated, given all the shuffling around. Miami looks good. Boston looks good. The Bucks look good. Sixers struggling a little bit. Little, their offense is a little clunky mm-hmm. as well. It's one of those that they should be really good on paper, and I think they are good defensively, but the offense just hasn't clicked yet. Yeah, I agree. Um, it just... A lot of people have, have blamed the coach on that. I don't know enough about running an offense to know whether or not that means that the coach needs to go. But how many times can you keep giving these this coach and this team the, all these guys and not figuring it out? Like at, at some point, you got to figure it out. So hopefully they uh, work through the kinks and uh, get a functioning offense. Even they're, they're still successful, just not as successful as they should be. Speaking of the Sixers, okay, you can only have one of these guys. You can pick one. Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram? Oof. See, the fact that we even have to think about it, remember when it was like no-brainer, slam dunk, Ben Simmons goes number one and, you know, the Sixers are set for life. And, oh, by the way, Brandon Ingram's going number two. The fact that Ben Simmons doesn't shoot, can't shoot threes, and Ingram makes threes all the time, isn't that a huge plus in the column of Ingram? I agree. I I think I might take Brandon Ingram. And the fact that we had to think about it says that Brandon Ingram is a real player that's come a long way. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I think they 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 make up for a lot of his um, shortcomings. When in him, I mean Ben Simmons. You know, in the modern NBA, you have to be able to shoot the ball. I there's no excuse for not getting in the gym and just chalking up a like you and I used to throw you know fifty plus three pointers in the morning in like ten minutes. Like, what are you doing, dude? Like, it's your job. So are you watching these games on League Pass? I'm streaming most of the games, and then I'm, I'm catching the one games I can't watch. Either I, they're not on local TV, I will uh, watch the highlights on YouTube. Can I do a rant on NBA League Pass for a minute? Of course, go for it. I live in Southern California. I sign up for League Pass, and I can watch nearly all the games. I can't watch the games that are on NBA TV. And then I cannot watch my local teams, which are the Clippers and the Lakers. That's who I want to watch. Like, I realized Time Warner did a, a direct deal with the Lakers. It's like a billion dollars. I think it's over 25 years, 40 mil a year. So they're not just going to give it away. But the NBA, I'm a promoter of your brand. I love the game. I'm even willing to pay for NBA League Pass to black out the two teams that I want to watch. Come on, there's got to be a workaround for that. And then I was reading just some of the FAQs. There's a guy in Hawaii that says if you have NBA League Pass, you're blocked out of Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, and Kings. So it's like you you should try to be helping your fans and your supporters and the promoters of your brand, not blocking out any games, let alone the games that they probably want to see. Okay, rant over. Yeah. Do better tomorrow, NBA League Pass. Yeah, I have similar concerns with uh, the MLB Advanced Media. They do have a better platform, but they do similar blockouts, and it's it's frustrating as as a fan. All right. What else you got? What do you think of what, speaking of the Kings? What do you think of the King, Kings going to do this year? What's their what's their ceiling? Yeah, they started out very slowly, and then De'Aaron Fox got hurt, and then they won like four straight. So they're hard to figure out, including the fact that Luke Walton is their coach. Like, I, I just have no idea if that's a, a good move. I don't think it is, but they've looked frisky lately. Uh, Buddy Heald is a lights out shooter that has gotten hot the last. I don't know, a week or so. I got him on my fantasy team. I like Buddy Heald. So they're in that mix in kind of the back end of the West. So there's five good teams in the West, six if you count the Mavs. And then there's the T-Wolves, the Suns, the Kings, the Pelicans, 
Grizzlies, Thunder, Spurs, Blazers are all they have between five and eight wins. So three of those teams are going to get in, and I think some of those teams are are not for real. My Phoenix Suns uh, bet is not looking good. <laughs> for the listeners at home, the Suns started out like five and two, and I'm like, dude, new, the Suns are good. And Mark's like, gentlemen's bet, I'll bet you a lunch that the Suns don't win 36 games. And I was like, I'll take that bet. And then the Suns immediately went on like a five-game losing streak. <laughs> <laughs> Well played by you, sir. Well, but to answer your question, I'm worried about the Spurs, Blazers. I don't think the Grizz are a playoff team. Timberwolves and Suns and Kings will be right there. That'll be the back end of the West, in my opinion. Oh, and the Warriors. The Warriors are just a G League team now. But they're going to continue to be on, like, TNT Thursday night and Tuesday night NBA TV game of the week. No, guys, it's 2019. We can flex these games out. We don't want to be watching this G League team on Saturday night and Christmas and everything. Can we flex them out, Mark? I wish we could flex them out. It's kind of like watching the Cowboys and the Redskins play on Thanksgiving when no one cares about any team for the last 10 years. So it's just a, it's a, it's a waste of TV, and it's not a good use of their product. So you would hope that they could be as aggressively uh, as aggressive as the NFL and flex that out and get an actual game that you'd want to see. Like, for example, Utah and my boy Bojan. Yeah. Did you see his game winner? I did. He hit a game winner from the corner to beat the Bucks. That was sweet. Yeah, it was smooth. I'm looking at his stats right now. Last year, uh, he's, he's increased in almost every stat, including his three-point percentage, which is 44.9%, which is just mind-blowing. And he's averaging 20.5 a game. I have him on my fantasy team. He's dropped like 30 a couple times this year already. The guy has been incredible in Utah so far and has been a big get for them. Yeah, Utah looks good. I think they're in the top five in the West. And I think they could win a playoff series. Absolutely. Yeah, going back to your comment a little bit earlier uh, about the Portland Trailblazers, do you want to talk about Melo? That's right. So you were going to the game, Portland at San Antonio, the day I think they announced it, or maybe the, yeah. the day after. And I was like, oh, Mark, you're going to get to see Melo. And then they were like, oh, well, he's not going to join the team until like Tuesday. So that was kind of a bummer. But overall, I I'm happy. I'm happy Melo's back in the league. I'm not the biggest Melo fan. I poked fun at him. He doesn't pass. He doesn't play defense. He dresses funny. He wears a lot of arm sleeves and headbands and stuff. But I also think it, it wasn't fair for him to go out like that. I mean, Dirk got the year-long victory tour. D-Wade got all these honors. And to just have Melo quit a month into the season, the last season, and have that be the last time we see him play basketball would have been disappointing for me. So I'm I'm happy he's back. Watched him play a little bit uh, on Thursday night, last night. He looked pretty good. Portland clearly struggling and in need of the, just grasping at straws at this point. What's your Carmelo take, Mark? How much the NBA has evolved since his heyday and his unwillingness to um, you know negotiate and come off the bench and his like former, his Team USA self. It's like, look, the, the NBA left him behind. And so, you know, I was reading an uh, article from his trainer the other day, talked about how he bought into defense and moving his feet and moving without the ball, all the things that pretty much are taught from like, uh, you know, middle school basketball. Yeah. And uh, he just thought he was uh, too good to, to want to adapt and they should take him as he comes. And he's a, you know, he's a starter when he wasn't. So he finally got it through his head that he needs to do some things. And if he wants to uh, have his sunset, like he uh, seems like he wants it. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. I think he scored like 14 last night. So good for him. It'd be fun if he got like really hot one night and dropped 40 or 50 or something. Everyone would be tuning in and pulling for him. And yeah, oh man, Melo made another one. So all lettuce team. We got a lot of candidates. <laughs> we got so many candidates, yeah. So early, early leaders of the all lettuce team, D'Angelo Russell, Mike Conley, Ricky Rubio, James Harden, Kyle Kuzma, 
Dennis Schroeder, JaVale McGee, Montrez Harrell, Dwight, Dwight Howard. Yeah. It allowed to be on the team. Dwight's been pretty good, man. Maybe maybe we uh, bashed him too much. We need to give Dwight some credit. His his lettuce is uh, on fire right now, and he's <laughs> contributing, and he's a stable a stable personality for the time being. So who knows? The guy's ripped too. So maybe uh, he's he's actually making a comeback, and, or at least sort of a comeback. Maybe he's just yeah. Maybe he finally got healthy. His back's feeling good. I know that feeling. What about Lonnie Walker that I texted you from uh, the oh, Spurs? Yeah, he's got to be on there. Come oh, on. he's he's definitely on the bench, but man, he's coming in strong with that lettuce. <laughs> All right, I'm looking forward to Clippers Rockets tonight. It's in LA. Clippers lost to the Rockets a week or two ago, but Paul George is not playing. And Rockets tough to watch sometimes when they're just dribble, 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 step back three, scream at the ref that oh, he must have fouled me. There's a lot of that in the Rockets game, but uh, I'll be I'll be watching and and looking for the Clippers to pull out a victory tonight in LA. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm gonna be watching the game as well. It'd be interesting. I'm just I'm just trying to like. I'm going through the different teams and stats and looking for like the, the stat you don't think of. And so I'm just uh, having a couple of hypotheses about like free throw percentage. And, you know, earlier I looked at um, the Spurs having the lowest amount of threes made and also ha- having a three quarters of the bottom defense, which kind of explains the game I saw on uh, last Saturday. So just enjoying going through that. It'll be exciting to see where the, the, the season continues. Indeed. All right, Mark. Thanks, everyone, for listening.